Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Lord, I pray for all our hearts and I pray for my lips and I pray that you would uh, speak through me, that the thoughts we think around your Word would be from you. Lead us on afresh and anew. Pull us, draw us, or even push us in your direction, Lord, and we will say thank you. Amen? Amen. You're like, I think I just prayed for God to push me. So uh, we're beginning our, our, our ending our series in the book of Philippians, and I want to talk about peace and joy through anxiety and worry. And this is something we're all learning and continue to learn, isn't it? Anybody ever been anxious? Somebody says to me uh, last night, they haven't seen me in a while, and, and they go, Pastor, you've lost some weight. They go, I'm trying to lower my cholesterol, but actually I'm up a few pounds because I was stress eating most recently, right? Maybe nobody else stress eats, but I do sometimes. And, um, and this, is, I mean, this is part of the whole process, isn't it? Like we're all learning how to deal with our worries and our anxieties. And the section of Scripture begins this way. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Isn't it interesting? One line, and what word do you have twice in that line? Beloved. Like, my beloved and ending my beloved. And I'm thinking, if that's the heart of Paul, how much more the heart of God? If you struggle with anxiety, have you ever been anxious over your anxiety? You know, and and what does that do for you? It just, you know, ramps everything up. And I was thinking, we need to begin with knowing that we're beloved, that we need to be kind to ourselves. And I think part of being kind to yourself is saying, if God loves me right now as I am, I can love and accept me right now as I am, all my failures, all my faults, and all my anxiety. Lord, I I, I thank you for whatever emotions or feelings or stuff that's going on inside of me right now. And then he continues and he says, I urge you, Udia and... Never mind. To live in harmony with the Lord. Indeed, true companions, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggles in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement, easy name, also, and the rest of my fellow workers, those are yoke fellows, whose names are in the book of life. What did he begin with? The ladies aren't getting along. You're like, those are women's names? They are. And, you know, if you need a name for your baby, pick one of those. Um, so they're not getting along. And what is Paul saying? Can I say, what, what is one of the major causes of anxiety in families, in marriage, at work? Yeah, I like my job. I just don't like the people I work with, right? Not getting along. So many times um, we've got issues because we're not getting along with one another. And my mind, as I read that, went to what Paul said in Galatians. He says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word or in the statement, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. And then look at this next line. But if we bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. What a picture. 
Some churches eat themselves alive. Some marriages eat themselves alive. Some parents eat their young, right? And their young eat their parents, you know, grandparents. Like, like all these factions and division. And Paul is saying, don't consume one another. Love one another. And then my mind went to Ephesians that says our battle's not against flesh and blood. Like, we see people, but there's things behind it. And I was thinking about what are some of the major causes of anxiety in the Christian life? I think the world, the flesh, and the devil are three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, when I say this, what are you thinking? Like the globe, right? Your skin, and then those things that people are putting in their front yards at this time of the year, right? Hasn't decorating for, for Halloween like gone crazy? It's like I get to walk down the street and enjoy everybody's massive lawn. Okay, um, but the world, the flesh, and the devil, those are our enemies. So what is the world? Who, what is this enemy and how is it connected to anxiety? Well, the world is a mindset that now is the most important. Now is what matters. Now is what's real. Christians, we live with a timeline that goes into eternity. So if you have eternal life and I have eternal life, we might be meeting now, but we're going to live forever. And the stuff we do in the moment matters not just for time, but also for eternity. But if we're just grounded here, we have extra stress, extra worry, extra concerns because we're so concerned only about the moment, only about the world. And it plays out in so many different ways. How about, uh, I'm sorry for being ugly. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. Guess what? If you live long enough, all of us will be ugly. Sorry about that, old people. (laughs) Right? I mean, we're like seeds. And as we get older, we look like those seeds. And we get buried into the ground. And we come up beautiful, new, right? Beauty is where you ground yourself. You will die a thousand deaths as you age. Right? And and this this is... part of the world mindset, right? It doesn't matter how much you continue to put into it, you will still age. And, and God is saying, hey, accept yourself for who be kind to yourself. Right? Like, like there's, a, there's, so, there's so much more going on there. And I remember a friend of mine, he's like, I want to be a millionaire by 35. And, and, and I want to marry a beautiful woman. I want to have this kind of house, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I accomplished all my goals. And my life fell apart after that. And my wife is divorcing me, and I'm no longer a millionaire. And he he goes, you know, my ladder I was climbing was on the wrong wall. The ladder I was climbing was on the wrong wall. It was on the worldly wall. The world says, if you're successful, if you're pretty, if you this, this, I will love you, right? It's a world of addiction. Because it's never enough. You're never successful enough, pretty enough, right? Like, it's a world of addiction, And it causes us so much stress when we anchor our hearts and we anchor our minds to this kind of worldly now mindset. The next thing is the flesh. And the flesh is that selfish part of us that wants to arm wrestle God for control. It's that selfish part of us, like Eve, I want to be like God, right? We want to arm wrestle God for control. That's that's what the flesh is. And many times it's... It, it has to do with power. 
I was worship leading uh, for a group of pastors, and they just asked me to come in and worship lead, and a person came up to me and told me exactly what to do. And can I tell you, there was something inside of me that thought, you don't tell me what to do. <laughs> and that had to be the Holy Spirit inside of me doing that, right? No, it's the flesh. It's that part. It's like, the, you know, Philippians, consider others better than yourselves. Was I like, oh, what wisdom and how nice to be told exactly what to do and how to do it, right? Like that's so, no, my flesh is like, ah, you know, and, and it comes in so many different ways, right? It comes with your passions and desires and maybe you live into those passions and all of us have in many ways and, and we've, we've gone the way of the flesh and we're like, oh, that didn't work. Boy, that was a broken, that promised so much but never delivered what it promised. And it was, it was full of anxiety full of compulsion, right? So much of our anxiety and lack of peace can come just from living into the flesh, living into our own selfishness. And then the last enemy is the accuser. And the job of the devil is to tempt you, like, oh, you need this, you want this, Eve, you gotta have this. And then after you do it, you call yourself a Christian? There's no hope for you, there's no forgiveness right? And just kind of beats you up with shame. And think of all the anxiety when you're being tempted and all of the anxiety where you live in the, the shame and guilt and the cloud and it's like you hold up an umbrella and it also, um, you kind of get this like internal separation going on too. It, it kind of uh, causes a little bit of chaos within your soul. And you walk around with this kind of sense of I'm a a second-class citizen, and you don't walk in the grace and love because you're listening to the voice of the accuser, a main cause of stress for many people. So what would Paul say to do with stress and worry and anxiety that come from these enemies? He would say, rejoice in the Lord. Now, I've said this before. Where your joy is, is your heart. And if the Lord is your joy... No one can take that away. If the world is my joy, it'll go away. Beauty is my joy, money is whatever, it'll go away. But if the Lord is your joy, it can't be taken. Rejoice in the Lord. I will say rejoice. By the way, chapter 3 started this way too. Let your gentleness or your, your patient spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but... In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So some years ago, when I was in college, we were year-railing around Europe. And it was, a, it was a great time, and my buddy had some friends in Switzerland, so we went and stayed with them. And it was like living in a postcard. I mean, it was truly beautiful. You're like, uh, they, they got milk with a pail down the street. And, and you're like, wow, this is, you know, this is cool. And I'm like, show me your gun, because I heard all Swiss people have guns. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and, and it was just awesome. And as I'm there, they had a guitar, and we were worshiping, and the family was scratching their heads a little bit. And they said, you know, we have not seen this kind of faith since we were at Tizay. And I'm like, Tizay? What's that? They go, oh, it's this Christian community in France. And I'm like, oh, where? They showed me where it was, and Tizay is a town. 
So two of the people we were traveling with were going away, and myself and another person, we decided we're going to go to Tizay. So we map out like on the train thing how to get there. And I remember um, I got on the TGV, which is like the fast trains, with a Eurorail pass. You're not supposed to do that. But dumb Americans just flash their pass and walk on like you own the place. And I remember just sitting down going, this is like an airplane. And I went to the bathroom, and, and I don't know if it still is, but it used to be in Europe when the, the trains, the bathrooms just dropped it on the, on the tracks. In the stations, it'll say, don't use bathrooms in the stations. Why? Because it's on the tracks. But on this train, it didn't work that way. You know why? 200 miles an hour, you fly back up in your face. And uh, I don't know why I go there. Um, so... It was beautiful. We get off, we get a bus, we get into this town called Tizay, and I don't see any Christian community. And so I go up to somebody and I start talking to them and I ask them a question in English and they go like this. And so I raise my voice and they raise their voice and raise their voice and we didn't understand each other at all. So we walked around a little bit and I'm discouraged and I had planned it so we could take a bus back. You know, maybe this was a cult. You know, we're just going on like the words of somebody. So uh, we're waiting for the bus and I had remember reading uh, that, that section where Paul was in prison and he started worshiping. And I said, let's just worship. I know it's discouraging. We're here. We, you know, we travel a long way to get here and we just start giving thanks. We just start rejoicing in the Lord and worshiping him. And a bus comes, not our bus, and this girl gets off. She speaks English, German, and French. Goes up to the first house, knocks on the door, gets directions. We follow her. And here we are in this really cool Christian community in France, worshiping with the, the monks. And, and it was just a great experience. And we rejoiced in the Lord even in our discouragement even in our difficulty. And the Lord says, again, I say rejoice. And, and, and then he says, the Lord is near. Now, some would say, he's saying, well, Jesus is going to return any moment. Other commentators would say, well, more likely it means that the Lord is close to the people and hears their cry. And I believe that's what Paul is saying. God is with you. He's near to you. In your anxiety, in your stress, in your brokenness, He's near to you. He's close to the brokenhearted. Just take a minute and, and slow down and, and realize, whether you feel him or not, that God is here. Sometimes I have to recall times of knowing of God's presence and remembering the days of old, so to speak, and the knowledge of his presence with me comes back as I, as I reminisce about the times where I've tasted of God's goodness. The Lord is near. One time I was uh, talking to someone who's, who on vacation, their child, young child, had been swimming in a river and they picked up some bacteria and it, it led to their death and it was a horrible death for the family to watch. It was just, it was just horrible. And somebody's like, call Pastor Doug. And back then, I thought I had to defend God, you know. And so I'm talking to her, defending God, and, and it just was not going well. And um, at the end, I said, let's pray. A and we prayed. And before she hung up, she said, you know, nothing that you said was very helpful to me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I, I kind of felt that. She goes, but when we prayed, God gave me peace. I thought I should have just shut up and, hey, do you want to just pray? I'm just calling to pray with you. Would have taken her right to the source. So the Lord 
is near. And be anxious for nothing. You know, I don't think going up to somebody and they say, you know, I'm really struggling with anxiety, and you go, don't be anxious, is going to be very helpful, right? I don't think giving somebody the command. Recently, I shared a burden with somebody, and he quickly just shared a scripture with me, like, like almost a pat on the back. I'm not going to enter into any of those feelings. I'm just going to give you a scripture and tell you to move on. I thought that was not helpful at all. An hour later or so, his wife came up, and she's like, hey, was that like a fresh wound? Yeah. Oh, she empathized. I'm like, you need to walk with her by your side all the time, right? right? She, she fixes you, right? You know? And so hearing when you're anxious, don't be anxious, isn't helpful. But you know what it is? Lord, I'm anxious. Can I tell you about it? I'm worried about this. I'm stressed about this. I don't even know why I'm stirring inside, God. But being able to supplicate, being able to give it to him, and even with thanksgiving, Lord, I'm anxious. I'm figuring this out, but I'm going to thank you for my emotions right now. What? Yeah, I'm going to thank you that I'm feeling this way, that I'm human. You made me have the ability to feel these feelings. And Lord, thank you. And just start giving thanks. I find that gratitude is part of my daily diet. I do not typically wake up thankful. Now, Gretchen will debate that, but it's only because if I'm up before her, it takes a few minutes to kind of crank the Thanksgiving pump. Because if you're like me, don't you just think about like the negative, the not-haves, the, you know, like, and it just never leads to, to emotional, spiritual health. I mean, come on, I've been around the world. We have hot showers. And we have flush toilets, right? In many, in many countries, you don't flush your paper. You're like, what? Yeah, you just put it in the basket. Does that sound like fun? But in America, we flush. When was the last time you gave thanks for a flush toilet, right? We are we, hot water. We have showers inside our house. We have running water that we can drink out of the tap. Like, you have heat. You have air conditioning. Like, you have people you can call when, you, when you're lonely. Like... Like, there, there's so much to give thankful for. You probably have more than enough food. Like, there's so much, and more and more, and over and above, I have a God who wants to be my friend, who is moving in towards me every day, who is seeking me before I ever sought him, who loves me, his enemy, and makes me his friend. I mean, you tune into that every day, and you start saying thank you. It changes you from the inside out. Do you ever um, sing this? Uh, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hitherto thy help I come, and I hope that thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. You know, come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise, right? Here I raise my Ebenezer. We've sung it here. What do you think of when you sing that? Do you think like, Lord, I lift up grumpy old man. I don't know why I'm singing this. You know, like, what are we doing? You know, um, so an Ebenezer in the Old Testament wasn't that. It was this stone when Samuel, they had this like victory and Samuel's like, I'm going to set up an Ebenezer. I'm going to set up a monument. I'm going to have a, a memory stone. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Like over and over in scripture, there's like memory 
times. And the Lord's like, hey, remember I died for your sins. Remember I give myself to you. Remember this new covenant. Remember, like, like over and over we're to remember things. Why? Because we're so forgetful. And there's something beautiful about remembering the good, remembering the blessing. Spouses, make lists of the things you're thankful for about your spouse and rehearse those. It'll change your life. And then he says, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, if I said that to somebody struggling, they might go, fine, pious platitudes, pastor. That's a good thing. But what if it came from somebody sitting in a prison? See the prison through the hole underneath? Paul down there in this dark space, stinky space, right? Been there for years. What if it comes from the person who has been beaten and left for dead? who has been shipwrecked out in the water. A guy who actually knows what it's like to be in really bad situations and says, but I have the peace that passes understanding and God can give it to you in your situation. Do you see that? And then he says, and finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if, if, there any, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, put into practice. Put these things into practice and the God of peace will be with you. First he's saying, I want you to think this way and do this way. Think and do. And why does he even do this? Because thinking is so important, isn't it? I mean, what our minds go to is so important. Do you let your feelings speak to you, or do you speak to your feelings? Do you let your heart speak to you, or do you speak to your heart? You know what I'm saying. You get these thoughts, these insecurities, these things. Do you let them speak into your life, or are you like the psalmist? Hey, soul... Why are you so downcast? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. See, Paul is saying, hey, think about the things that are beautiful and lovely. The guy's in prison. The guy's in a difficult thing. And he's like, I am going to put my mind onto this stuff. It's beautiful. Think on these things. This is what Jesus was all about. He's trying to tell people, don't be anxious about your clothing. Look at the flowers. Look at the lilies. They don't grow. I'm sorry, how they grow? They, they neither toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith, you know, Jesus is like, let the flowers preach to you. Look at the birds, and God cares for the birds. He's going he's to take care of you. Like, do you see this? You've got to, like, think it in. It's like, Lord, you care for that little bird. You're going to care for me. So the market goes berserk, and the, the inflation rate goes up, and you worry, and you go, well, but God's in control. 
And he's going to care for me. He's always cared for me. He's going to see us through this. Whatever fear, whatever worry, God cares for you. He cares for me. And then to end with this, he says, I have learned to be content. Notice, contentment is not something you're born with, right? Anybody who has children are like, amen, amen, pastor, amen, right? Uh, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. That was on a bumper sticker the other day. And I thought, we quote that to climb mountains and run marathons. Paul is quoting it to say, my internal thing is a lot harder. My, my internal contentment is a lot harder than running a marathon. My, when I don't have food, I'm like, Lord, I'm content. And when I do have a, an abundance of food, Lord, I'm content. Right? There's tests of plenty and there's tests of want, of need, of having nothing. And sometimes I think the test of having too much can be even greater than the test of having nothing. But it's something that's learned. Like, we don't get it. I'm still getting it. I'm still learning it. And maybe so are you. We're, we're learning to be content. We're learning to say, God, what I have is enough. Right? Contentment. I, I, I had to think about Paul writing Romans 8. And, and when you think about his mindset to write this and his life experience and, and being... Um, almost killed multiple times and being put in prison. Listen to this in light of that. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He had tons of people against him. He said, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for all of us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Satan. Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. And who is at the right hand of God and who intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? I mean, Paul, like he learned this in the trenches. Will tribulation... Will distress, will persecution, will famine, will nakedness, peril, or sword? He's saying contentment comes by focusing on what I have, not what I don't have. He's like, I have the love of Christ, and all these things can't take that away from me. Just as it is written, for your sake, we're being put to death all day long. We're being considered a sheep to the slaughter. But in all things... We are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
He's got that. And no one, cancer, difficulty, struggles, nothing can take the love of Jesus away from us. And in the midst of the struggles, we have a choice and we have a response. I really, I've talked about this once, but I really like this gal who was on one of these awards. I think it's America's Got Talent. And she's a, a Christian woman, and she's on there in some pretty dire uh, personal life situations. And yet, she says something at the end of her song that I think is worth all of us hearing. Listen for it. Oh, we're happy you are. What's your name? My name's Jane. When I sing, I go by Nightbird. Oh, that's nice. Nightbird? That's right. Uh, did you sing, do you sing for a living? Um, not, not recently. Where are you from? I'm from Zanesville, Ohio. Okay, how old are you? I'm 30. 30 years old. What are you going to be singing for us tonight? I'm singing an original song called It's Okay. It's Okay? Yeah. It is. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. What is It's Okay about? Uh, it's Okay is the story of the last year of my life. All right, and who are you here with? I'm here by myself. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> And what do you do for a living? Um, I have not been working for quite a few years. I've been dealing with cancer. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. All right. Can, can I ask you a question? How are you now? Uh, last time I checked, I had some cancer in my lungs, my spine, and my liver. Wow. So you're not okay? Uh, well, not in every way, no. You got a beautiful smile and a beautiful glow, mm -hmm. and nobody would know. Thank you. It's important that uh, everyone knows I'm so much more than the bad things that yes. happen to me. Yes. All right. Sing for us.
it's funny because singers come on and and I and I think about authenticity. You know, when you feel it, when it moves you, that felt like the most authentic thing I have heard this season. Your voice is stunning. Mm -hmm. It is. Absolutely stunning. And I, I totally agree with what Howie said, you know, about authenticity. There was something about that song after the way you just almost casually told us what you're going through and, oh, you know. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Um. There are, however, there have been some great singers this year. Um, and I'm not going to give you a yes. I'm going to give you something else. Wait for life not to be hard anymore before you decide to be happy. And her song is all about being kind to yourself. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you that we have the source of life, of joy. You are asking all of us to just embrace your embrace afresh and anew, to rejoice in you. And for that, we will say thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.